0: Okay, I have the local recording going um, and I believe the next thing to do will be to do the clap of death. Hello and welcome to Cruising Through Doomsday, uh, it's a podcast about Doctor Who Doomsday, uh, my name is Philip Wheland. my pronouns are he and him, and I am joined by my lovely co-host Georgia.
1: Hi, my name is Georgia Harper. My pronouns are she and her. And yes, the Bastille reference in the title was my idea. Um, today, we'll be covering the DWM Doctor Who magazine supplement Four Hours of Doomsday, which covers hours two through five of Doom's Terrible Day. And to help us discuss this, we are lucky enough to be joined uh, by my brilliant friend, John Solway. Um, John... Is the kind of founder and uh, runner of Big Who Listen, a pod—not uh, a podcast, sorry—a website in which uh, a group of friends listen to Big Finish dot Who audios in order and review them. Um, he also. Uh, recently reviewed every piece of media from the Time Lord Victorious franchise uh, for Oxford Doctor Who Society's The Tides of Time. Now, John, I'd like to start by asking you a question that I've been asking myself in the past few days. Why?
2: (laughs) Um... There's something, at least starting with Time Lord Victorious and then moving on to this, there's something quite attractive about having a kind of Discrete chunk of Doctor Who that you can kind of absorb and digest with a finite beginning and a finite end and then know that you know everything about that one big chunk of Doctor Who. There may be a huge ocean of content out there, but you have found your island and you have staked your claim to that one little bit. Um, And obviously that's now becoming a bit of an archipelago now that they've decided to do the, the same kind of thing again.
0: Mm hmm. Hang on a second. I seem to have forgot something. This meeting is
1: being recorded. Do we have to start again, or is that fine?
0: I think we just chanced it. Continue. Okay, cool. This is a a very smooth podcasting operation right here.
1: I thought (laughs) you were going to fix this in editing. You now have to fix this in editing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, uh, yeah, quick, quick, quick run through of what this particular episode is about. Um, So there's this magazine called Doctor Who Magazine. Rather, rather uh, uncreatively, but you know uh, what you're gonna do, and this is where the four hours of Doomsday supplement has been has been published in.
1: Before we get into the um, the meat of the uh, the content itself, um, one thing I would like to talk about. Um, Philip uh, purchased uh, the magazine. It was uh there was a station near uh his office, so he came back and he showed me the receipts. It cost ten pounds and ninety-nine pence. So I, I guess what, what what is cheaper than ten pounds ninety nine pence? <laughs>
2: Uh, well, as I received my homework to investigate what is cheaper than ten pounds ninety nine pence, my personal recommendation for lovers of puzzle games of exceptionally high quality is the game Picross 3D Round Two for the Nintendo 3DS system of consoles. Do you mm-hmm. like chipping away at a large cube to reveal an exciting object within? Do you oh, like... I love a good cube? Everybody loves a cube, mm-hmm. or occasionally cuboid. Mm. For, for extra for extra challenge, it's a very 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 good game, and not very many people bought it at the time because it came out quite late in the 3ds's life. But now it can be yours for less than the copy of Doctor Who magazine that we have all bought.
1: Philip, you did some railway based research for how far you can go.
2: I
0: did. Yes, uh, I believe there are some. Uh, so I I I basically asked the question of what is. Uh, what is the furthest distance you can get to from London terminals? uh, So any station classed as a terminal station in Zone 1 in London. Um, Furthest distance for under £11. And uh, apparently there are some quite cheap advances between London and Cambridge and London and Oxford. Uh, So that's about, what, 50 miles or so? Um, I also... Should point out that the uh, U.S. dollar recommended price of the Doctor Who magazine uh, edition that that we have is uh, sixteen dollars ninety nine cents which is actually more than the $14 a month that I am now paying Podbean for the hosting of this very podcast.
1: <laughs> so um, my, uh, my personal recommendation for what to do with your 10.99, there are a lot of choices. You could buy a 24 pack of Diet Coke. You can probably pay most sort of online TV streaming services for a month and have much more content than you're getting in this magazine. Um, You can pre-book parking near Milton Keynes Central Station to go and see Muse. The Muse ticket is not included in the price, but the parking is, and it's the whole day. But my favourite thing that you can do for the price of this one Doctor Who magazine... Is a six-month digital subscription to Doctor Who magazine, where you pay two pounds a month and you get the, the rest of this year's Doctor Who magazines, and also this, including the supplement, which is infuriating. I wish I'd known that.
2: Yes, that is information a little a little too late, but um... yeah, that that just
0: that just shows you uh, shows you the the amazing value of uh, of the. Digital, digital subscription to Doctor Who magazine. Um, oh, God. <laughs> so, I believe that where we last left Doom on her terrible day, uh, she, was, uh, she was being transported uh, using her Vortex manipulator into the Storm Cage facility. That's um,
1: that's right. Yeah. She was off on an exciting adventure to Stormcage <laughs> to meet River Song. And it was going to be really exciting in our two. And and John, do you mind telling us what exciting adventure she goes on with River Song <laughs> at Stormcage? Um, well, they
2: have two pages in a dark cell where neither of them appear to move an inch.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the funny thing is, um, <laughs> when we were setting up this podcast, um, Philip and I did discuss whether we would dedicate an episode to each hour or just dedicate an episode to each piece of media. We decided it would be easier to dedicate an episode to each piece of media. And as soon as I opened this comic and read Hour 2, I thought, thank goodness we we chose that option because...
0: That was the smart choice.
2: (laughs) It was. I mean, I I was going to say, I noticed when we were doing the £10.99, none of us said... Actually, my £10.99 was really well spent on this copy of Doctor Who magazine with the Doomsday no. Supplement. No. So I'm assuming that's a hint that we've all come to a similar conclusion on the contents.
1: <laughs> I mean, even before I'd read the comic, I was infuriated because magazines should not cost four digits, but my mind has not been changed.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yes, this is a two-page... Mini-story. I mean, micro-story is probably more on it.
1: Story is is kind of pushing it. it. It's Uh,
2: a a vignette, let's
0: face it.
2: (laughs) That's a good word. I don't use that word often enough. Vignette. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, River Song is there. They talk very briefly and then she's off to her but next destination.
1: Half of the half of the two page story is dedicated to Doom being very dark and edgy and telling us how very dark and edgy she is and how she didn't mm. choose being a killer, but, but it chose oh, her or something.
2: But that's but that's River Song's dialogue. Oh, is it? If you look in the comic panels, you'll see that Doom is you're, the one with the light. And the person who's right. talking on the that, page is actually you're, River you're Song. Abso-
1: you're absolutely right. That is not very clear. And I was going to say, this feels unlike Doom. I'm not sure... It feels unlike River as well, to be honest.
2: Um. (laughs) Well, it's because i have deliberately... Obviously, the deliberate conceit of this page is that we've written text and we started off with them in pure blackness so that it's deliberately ambiguous as to which of them is talking. And the problem is that River Song and Doom, while possibly on the surface, seem similar... They're they're not really that similar, so to have dialogue that you could interpret as being...
0: However, one of them has a massive glowing thing (laughs) on her eye.
2: One of them does have a massive glowing thing on your eye, which you'll notice gets progressively lighter as the panels go on to reveal the solution to this ambiguous beginning. Yes. But so that they can have the dialogue so that you don't know which it is, but because they're not actually that similar, the dialogue has to kind of sit in this middle place where it doesn't really sound like River, and it doesn't really sound like Doom.
1: So if this is Doom just approaching River Song, who could she (coughs) talk? Is she just monologuing to herself? Well, I think she knows that Doom is dead. Okay. The, the, the gang. I, I've i just misunderstood this entire. I've misunderstood fifty percent of this two-page vignette comic. Excellent. Which More which being confused let's, let's later, face it. it. Um.
0: Let's face it. I I think I think most of the ten pounds ninety nine went into the sheer amount of black ink that was uh, that was spent on that page.
2: Oh, oh I can tell that the. Uh, the gloves are off on this <laughs> podcast. I was worried I was going to be restraining myself. Oh, no, no, no.
1: no. this is, um... We... Like... I've, I've been saying all weekend that this is, um... This is potentially... Doing this podcast is potentially Philip's biggest regret of the weekend. In the same weekend that he also agreed to go stand in a crater near Milton Keynes with 65,000 other people while I scream maniacally at a band. Um...
0: There were streamers.
1: There were, there were. They were very nice. I was more excited by the bands, so. though.
0: Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. So, um, I, I, I think the 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 whole like point of this vignette is that um, Doom has done a job in the Stormcage facility, and then as a side hustle, she decided to f- try and find River Song because she knew that. Uh, there's a good chance that River would be there. So what what that kind of means is that we we are seeing Doom at the very end of her uh of her hour in in Stormcage mm-hmm. uh do, doing that whole thing. Um and and then uh Death appears. Um what do we think about uh about death?
2: Um I mean, none of the two of them really seem to react to death's appearance, um, which I find quite funny. Like the artwork, like River Song looks a little bit shocked, but um, there's no the dialogue is just kind of as if death wasn't there. So, uh, death is just
1: kind of sat there in the middle of the page. (laughs) I, I do also think that, like death, I appreciate that death is supposed to be ominous and kind of a you know looming large over Doom and so on, but he is literally looming large. Um, yes. It's, it's sort of done in a way that kind of reads as quite comical. Um, especially... Well, is a comic.
2: <laughs> but especially
1: as like, in the trailer, I, I think a lot of Doom, so, a lot of Doomsday so far has been framed as kind of comical and very like, ooh, actual literal death is after me. And it sort of does add to that, that like, death is twice the size of River Song and half the size of this A4 page. Um, Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if it works or not, but it certainly is a choice.
0: So we we either go with the theory that death is actually kind of more metaphorical here or that there is, like, legitimately an entity within this particular version of the Doctor Who universe, which, let's face it, Doctor Who has no canon, so this might as well be completely true. Um, that, that there is a version of death here that uh, that does just follow people, um, to which I say it does look kind of conventionally deathy with a slight tinge of that thing from Howl's Moving Castle.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, are we talking so- Howl's Moving Castle or are we talking No Face from Spirited Away?
0: So, um, ignore what I just said. I think it's that thing from Spirited Away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Remember kids, don't confuse your death entities! <laughs>
0: yes, uh, and and then uh, Doom teleports away into uh, a, a story about Ottens, I believe.
1: Yes, uh, this is our 3, the plastic population. And to be fair, to give credit to the plastic population, it is a story. There is a story is a there. Story. I'm not sure I fully understand all of it again, but it is it is there. It does have
0: a beginning and an end, possibly a middle.
2: I would say this is probably my favourite of the four stories okay. contained within within this issue, as you say, because it does have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um there are a couple of points that I am quite confused by in the story, but it's it's got an idea. It's got there's an idea here. Um, I wish it had gotten a little more space, like perhaps a full twenty-page supplement, as opposed to being squeezed into four stories in one. Yes. Um.
1: <laughs> so Doom here is um, obviously she's basically being given jobs, and the job that she's been hired for this time is the plastics lobby. That is literally the word they use. This is not... There's no space here for uh, nuance and subtlety. She is mm-hmm. working for the Plastics Lobby to assassinate a minister who is drafting a, a bill that will harm the Plastic Lobby. It is called the Anti-Plastic Bill.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, we haven't got time for subtlety, so that's no. fine. That's fine. No. Get on with it.
1: I, I appreciate...
2: Um, Let's get and to then the point.
1: It's all going to... it's um, She completes her job uh the uh there's like these tiny toys that come to life and i i think they're autons um but it's all going to be okay because the according to my notes sixth doctor question mark defeats oh, yeah. the tiny defeats the tiny twin autons by disguising himself as his own tiny twin question mark <laughs> well this is where this is where
2: we get into some confusion
1: yeah. because he is actually disguised
2: as an astronaut if we look on the first page of the comic mm. One of the plastic Auton guards with a gun is dressed in the Sixth Doctor's costume. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. Ooh, I have not noticed that. That's
0: certainly that's certainly a choice. A choice was uh, a choice has been made
2: with with clown uh, makeup to just make yes. it extra extra insulting. I um,
0: I think I think that was uh, that was just a bit of a joke, possibly a uh, a red herring. Um,
2: well, I'm not sure because there is yeah. a bit where where the doctor kind of is like, haha, I'm in the astronaut suit." He does say, disguise myself as my own double. Too predictable. So he seems to have deliberately gone for the astronaut as opposed to trying to replace the Auton duplicate. I I think it's deliberate, but I'm just not sure what they're trying to get at.
0: There is is certainly a story here, and it's a story that I would like to read a 22-page supplement of. Hmm, yes.
1: So there is one thing here that I do think is quite cool um, in terms of the doomsday overarching plot overarching plot um as doom reaches the end of her hour uh, she confronts the doctor doom says wrong doctor and i'm out of time so definitely implying and i think we get to this in the doctor who magazine feature as well later but certainly implying that um she is not just looking for the doctor she's looking for a specific one presumably the old man regeneration from uh, new venice but we, we're not that's deliberately i think ambiguous we're not we're not sure that is or you know is it this before new venice in the doctor's timeline so he genuinely doesn't know what's going on or is it not the doctor she's looking for but something else i feel like doctor's quite a common mm. word i i think the doctor does remember what's
2: happened because he doesn't say i don't like he says i, I can't, can't help you in bold okay. like
1: i yeah. know
2: what's happening I can't help See, you. See,
1: I, I read that as very, like, you know, sort of confusion and sort of, yeah, sorry, I can't help you. But you're right. I, I think the bold text does change it. Mm. I think that's
2: a sad face. I think that's it a sad is. Colin Baker face.
1: Um, do, you,
0: do, you, do you like your uh, sad Colin Baker face, John?
1: Um, We don't get enough of it on the television. Mm. Okay. John wants to make Colin Baker sad. <laughs> Got go on. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I think it's more, John would have liked to have seen more emotional range in The Sixth Doctor in his television stories. But that's for a different podcast. That's not for him. Do
0: you know what, though? I think think the Tiny Twin plan would have totally worked in 2023.
2: Um, Can we talk about the comic's main twist, which I find absolutely baffling, Mm -hmm. where the minister who has launched the anti-plastic bill decides halfway through to get together with the auton scheme to use the plastic because then there'll be less plastic and less people to make more plastic.
1: Because I think that, that was the point right that, I I think that was the point that I zoned out. Because <laughs> that comes yes.
2: right out of nowhere and mm-hmm. I don't understand.
0: What was it was it the minister's double speaking at this point? Was it some nonsense like Oh, does ministers will get anything to get into more power? I don't know.
2: Because it can't be the double, because they kill him by shooting him with plastic and sending him into the plastic vent vent vat, which he then corrupts by being presumably not plastic. So this is the human minister. He just decides, oh well, it doesn't matter if the autons destroy humanity. I'll have achieved my goal of less plastic, because. Think all tons are using the plastic. It doesn't really make any sense.
0: <laughs> I I think I think quite honestly, it's uh, it's uh, one of one of those things where you know, it's a story that is supposed to be a vehicle for doom. I think some of the research for it might have been punted off to Chat GPT or something. <laughs> um, you know chat chat gpt write me a story about how a minister who hates plastic accepts that plastic is good
1: um so i think we are now moving on to our four high noon in hollywood which is my favorite of the four stories purely Hmm. for that image of loads of cybermen at a saloon that yes. is the saving grace of this entire. The defining. This is the this salvages the entire ten pound ninety nine I spent.
2: And and I will say on a similar note that while I will be quite, I am quite critical of the stories within this comic book. I think the artwork throughout is very very good. Mm-hmm. I oh, think it's very colorful and bold and lovely. And I want to make sure that that doesn't get ignored in my mm-hmm. story gripes. That <laughs> I think it looks absolutely gorgeous.
1: It did. It yeah, did genuinely that that image did genuinely make me laugh uh, when when I read it. So now, I won't give it
0: mind that. you, I am pretty sure that this this particular bit of the comic exists purely as a vehicle for that image from that comic.
1: I w- I wouldn't mind that. I could that would make a good poster somewhere like if you had yeah. like a bar or something you could frame to like the in a saloon
0: yeah that's true but it's filler we'd learn <laughs> nothing new about doom and her quest here other than you know how awesome she is blowing up a whole bunch of cybermen with uh, with prop pyrotechnics I mean and for her to get like a quest item for the next story
2: <laughs> yeah I mean the story never even engages with the question of why are all the Cybermen on a
1: Western movie set? It's Doctor um, Who. It's Doctor Who. They just show up. It's Doctor up. Who, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Like, I... why are they literally still in their poses from the scene? <laughs> like, playing cards
1: and stuff? For, for that image. But but what's what's happening? Again,
0: was was there, like, an actual Doctor Who story somewhere else that had that whole conceit of Cybermen on a
2: Western set? I've not encountered it, if it does exist. Does not give Nicholas a,
1: Briggs ideas? I No, I want to give
0: Nicholas Briggs <laughs> ideas okay, because enough. I think there's a there's a very interesting premise here that is that is perhaps being done short in in this particular
2: story. So I will say there is one situation in which I think I would have forgiven the fact that there's no explanation for what's going on, and I'm kind of surprised they didn't do it, is that this story, I think, would have been actually a bit more effective if they'd literally cut out all the dialogue. I think this could have been a really effective mute story, just with images, just a silent fight against the Cybermen, because there's no reason for her to talk to them, and there's no reason for them to talk to her. No. Just kind of a mute battle, kind of Western-style showdown, without the quippy one-liners, perhaps. Would be my idea.
0: Yeah, but John, that would have been serious.
1: I I think the problem is that Doom's entire personality, as I understand it, is quippy one-liners. Um, but yeah, no, I, I I agree. I do one thing I do really like. Um, I really like the kind of. Um, the mercy killing spin on assassination mm. like here she is arguably i mean this is not an ethics podcast um but at least the intentions of uh the the dad who is a, has hired doom the, the the intentions are to do a kind thing um which is a good twist on the you know so far it's been like assassin someone assassinate someone leave assassinate someone leave
2: no, that's that's very true, yeah. but it has now prompted just another question just popped into my head. So she starts the story saying, 1930s Hollywood, and I'm just going to assume that she knows what she's talking about when she says that. How exactly does the father of a 1930s Hollywood starlet contact time-travelling intergalactic assassin, Doom?
1: That will be for Nicholas Briggs to cover in the big finish adaptation of this story, which will be way better and explain all of the plot holes we just talked yeah, about. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't want
2: to worry about it. I want to be clear. I I I do love the iconography of this particular mini story, but I just it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> uh, so so hang
0: on a second. If if we're saying if we're saying that Doom's entire personality is to is to make quippy one liners. I I think that's very much like a late 60s
2: era James Bond. Hmm. But she's not horribly sexist. That is true.
1: She hasn't (laughs) been horribly sexist yet. We're we're only a few (laughs) hours in. You never know. Um,
2: Uh, It's difficult to get more horribly sexist than 60s James Bond is all I'm going to say there. (laughs) That is
0: true. Yeah. Um. All right, so yeah, the the entire the entire point is is that uh, Doom gets in there, uh, has has a funny uh, Wild West thing with with a bunch of Cybermen, blows them up, grabs some prop coins, uh, prop gold coins like in a chest, and uh, then teleports away into the next bit, which oh, I think. Uh,
2: I- oh. Oh, let's not, let's not, she doesn't just grab the coins, Philip. Let's not, Mm. let's not forget the other items that she brings with her. A saber-toothed tiger prop, question mark, and a bag of things. I can't be more specific about what's in the bag. I just know it's a bag of things.
1: Her her, her inventory is now full.
2: So, I mean, the things obviously are going to be relevant for our final part, but I'll I'll leave you to...
0: Yes. To move us on. So having having picked up some quest items, which, by the way, that is magnificent foresight on on Doom's part to figure out that those are the quest items she needs in the next thing. Okay,
2: I will I will offer a defence for that in that I'm not sure if it's just they're in her proximity when the teleport activates, so they're just brought with her accidentally, rather than a deliberate choice to bring a saber toothed tiger. <laughs>
0: well i i think um that's that's an exercise best left to uh to the reader um (laughs) because i i do not think so i i think this is uh this is some uh some next level nonsense um so yeah we we get a story about doom teleporting into uh medieval britain question mark um and the job is that she needs to kill the very idea of the unicorn. So uh, I,
1: I have in my notes uh, for this, as I'm reading through the comic, Doom tries to buy a unicorn. Okay, she doesn't believe unicorns are real, but says she's hunted every animal. What is happening? She has to kill... The idea of the unicorn, question mark? So everyone thinks unicorns aren't real and therefore will stop hunting unicorns to extinction. But really, in this universe, unicorns are real. Are you following?
2: I'm following. It's... It's a tough gig for an assassin, I think, to kill the idea of a unicorn, specifically an assassin who you know is contracted for one hour of activity before she's on to the next job. It's really quite remarkable that she accomplishes her mission in this one.
0: I mean, certainly it's it's a it's a tough job. Um, I actually quite like this as a, as a concept, and I think it, you know, I wish, again, I wish it was given slightly more space to, you know, what does it mean to be an assassin? What, what does it mean to be uh, someone who, who kills things for money? Can you kill ideas for money in terms, in, in like a time-traveling thing where, oh, m- maybe in the future humanity decides that actually the world's so bad that we need to go back in time and kill the very idea of fossil fuels
1: never change philip
2: (laughs) i mean he's not wrong though is
1: he (laughs) no um
0: i i also i also like to would like to flag up that um so i believe in hour one it was established that doom is not actually wearing clothes that it's a holographic Projection. Um, a very good point.
2: Well, point we get into the issue: is if is that just for that mission? Is that a thing she always does? Who I, I
1: should point I out think that it's she a thing that she always at does, least visually wearing clothes the whole time, whether they are real clothes or holographic yes. clothes. I don't know, but just yes, this this is a safe for work, family friendly comic. <laughs>
0: I mean, there is precedent for that in Doctor Who. Um, <gasps> oh. I can't remember which episode is that, but they were in the Church of the Papal Mainframe, weren't they?
2: Uh, uh, wait, these are real clothes because actually, if you go back to the Plastic Ooh. Population, she has taken these clothes from one of the heroes ah. mannequins. Okay, so she was wearing her like publicity outfit with the like. Well, I was gonna say with the hood, but this outfit also has a hood. But she was wearing her kind of beige, ninjery glovy outfit in the first story with a Song. But then from Plastic Population onwards, she's wearing the outfit from the Heroes exhibit that she has stolen.
0: So what you're saying is that we're already inconsistent between uh, what? Hour one
2: and hour five. I don't think that's an inconsistency. I think she's just nabbed some clothes. But she has a holographic
0: disguise generator. How else would she be able to convince people that a real unicorn looks like a normal horse with a horn stuck to its head?
2: That's not that's not holographics. She's chucked some pyrotechnics from the Hollywood set and has then, in the confusion, swapped out the unicorn for a real horse that she's tied a horn to with rope. I think is the is what we're supposed to get. That's her bag of stuff that she's picked up from Hollywood. It's some flashbang stuff, and then when everyone's dazed, she's done a switcheroo. So I don't think it's holograms.
1: I I think you're right, but that is very quick to find a horse, get the horse to stand uh, still for long enough to uh to strap the horn on. I mean, she, I think she's, she's done that good.
2: before. Before she popped up, like she speaks to Joe. Okay, she knows. She has I think to we care. then have to assume oh, she's spoken yeah, to Joe, uh, which we oh, haven't jo mentioned Grant, yet. By jo the Grant way, Joe
1: Grant is also in this, just out of interest.
2: Yeah, I forgot to mention yeah. that bit. Joe Grant but, yeah, is no, also here.
1: <laughs> I think
2: she speaks to Joe. Says, "I'm here to help." Then I think we've got like five minutes off screen where she's like, "My plan is: we need a horse. We need to tie a horn to it. Then I'm gonna go whoosh, chuck these pyrotechnics, and I picked up my bag of things." And then we'll substitute the two, presumably through a hole in the tent that we can't see in the artwork because they've gone for a flat background. Um, that is and- extremely convoluted. I, I, but that's—I mean—that's honestly what my interpretation was. No, I think
1: I think you are right. Okay. Like it's not—it's not worse than all of the other possible interpretations. It's just one of those things. I think you can't think about it too hard um (laughs) just just don't think about it one thing i do like um moving to the last page um as uh in terms of yeah joe grant being the unsubtle cameo in this story um first of all again the art is beautiful we have like a uh full page final panel death looming massively again doom all kind of action hero in front um and i really like this image um, of Doom is facing almost towards the camera, slightly upwards. Yes. And she's like, I I can't stop until I find the Doctor. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the background, <laughs> Joe <laughs> is going into the TARDIS. And I really love that image. Yes. I feel like it does kind of imply, like, considering the description we have of the Doctor that she met in New Venice, like, it could be John Pertwee's Doctor. So it could be that she's almost... She's just, like, running away for no reason, but... Yeah, I I love that image. To be fair, yeah. Yes.
2: Does she know what a TARDIS is? Has she just not spotted it? Oh yeah, I'm who, not who sure. Knows? Yeah. who knows because she is very much like until I find the doctor and you're like she, he's right there he's right there doom
1: just turn around she does know um it, as uh, established in the plastic population that the doctor can change faces so she clearly mm. has some background knowledge whether that extends to the tardis is is unclear but either way I think it's it's quite a fun a fun final image
2: oh it's, but- it's a fun little idea I mean I could Really go for this kind of partners in crime style, just constantly missing the doctor mm. idea. There's, yeah. there's a lot of humour in that.
0: I, I think I think that's the sort of thing realistically that that is actually going to happen up until the uh, uh, the experience finale um, of uh, of Doomsday. So my my overall reaction to this was, in fact. Uh, that was certainly one of the pieces of media of all time
1: it's yeah it's like i was i've got to say i was quite underwhelmed i really enjoyed our one and i was like i'm gonna get into doomsday and a a little bit like john you were saying earlier i'm gonna make this my thing and then we had the idea for the podcast um and i you know i kind of read this i was like Ah, is is this going to be what we're at? I was going to say before we move on to the comic overall. I do really like that at the start and end of the supplement, the clock uh, motif has moved on. Um, I still Ooh. think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I hadn't
2: noticed that. So I'm glad somebody's somebody's knows what they're doing. Someone should start a podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, it's it's too late, I've already committed, and now I have to consume the rest of Doomsday, even if it's like this. Um,
2: I mean, the other thing I must speak up for on that last page, after the confusing mess that was Time Lord Victorious's timeline, how lovely it is to reach the end of part of this and then have it say, the next bit is this, by this, to continue the story. Mm -hmm. Such clarity, Mm -hmm. such simplicity...
1: Uh, yeah i really like the 24 hour kind of like it is it is very clear i mean already some of the uh items that are going to be released are kind of tba or just like a month uh with no specific date but it is already pretty clear um what's coming next um next for doom will be the Titan comic a doctor in the house this is out on I believe the 5th of July it's certainly quite soon um, we won't be able to record the podcast uh, for a couple of weeks uh, but you will be able to read that um, pretty pretty soon
0: yes now there are a couple of other things in uh, in that their Doctor Who magazine. And uh, we've we've read uh, we've read some of them. I certainly haven't read the entirety of of the Doctor Who magazine, I, but I have read uh, the Suze Kempner interview and uh, the piece that they generally have about Doomsday. So let's let's talk a little bit about the Suze Kempner piece.
1: Um. So I, I most of my notes here are uh, I've written down quotes that relate to Dooms' character. So she says. Uh, the reason Doom is the universe's greatest assassin is that when you meet her, she seems very unassuming and very jocular and jovial. That's one of the reasons she's a joy to play. Doom's morality is quite ambiguous, and I love that she can be quite cantankerous. Her mind works a million miles a minute, and she's very skilled. So when someone doesn't quite keep up, she'll voice her frustration. So, John, um I guess one of the questions I had was like, so far, how many of these character traits do you think we've actually seen? Um,
2: I mean, I will be fair to Suze Kempner that obviously she will be going off of the bits that she herself has yes. recorded so on the magazine, which will not include says, a comic yes, book
1: no. at the time of the interview <laughs> um, at the time of the interview she mentioned that she was yet to record the big finished plays and did not know who she'd be acting with so this is certainly not a complete story, but she clearly knows more than we do
2: Okay, in that goes. Yeah, I'm not sure what she's judging this on yet. If she's not, maybe she, I presume she's got the script so far. Yes, I don't it might know. be. Yeah, it, she
1: she she may have been told more about the wider story that that sort of thing. Um, certainly in the uh, Day of Reckoning feature, um, James Goss, who uh, kind of bookends the first and uh, the first and final hour of Doomsday... Um, notes that all of the Doom writers were told the reason why Doom is searching for a particular Doctor, but they are just obviously not allowed to reveal it uh, until the end. So I think it is fair to assume that Suze Kempner also knows a lot more than we do about the overall arc.
2: That's yes. good. I'm glad to hear it. That's 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 how it should
1: be.
0: I am glad that they, they do, in fact, know what they're doing.
2: Yeah,
1: one thing I was thinking about actually during uh, during this conversation um, is this part where she talks about the fact that she, Doom seems very unassuming, um, and this means she's actually able to pull off uh, amazing stuff. And you know, she does kill an idea in one hour mm-hmm. using she does um, you, by kind of strapping a horn to a horse very quickly using pyrotechnic like. Actually, as you were talking about that, it made me realise, like, she is doing some very, very cool things that actually when you're reading the comics, you don't necessarily give her credit for. Um, Oh, you know,
2: she's... She is getting through them all all fairly quickly. Um, I will say, on the subject of her being unassuming... um, She needs to. If she wants to keep her unassuming kind of profile, she should probably not dress like a crazy cyber assassin. (laughs) Like, she may have an unassuming kind of demeanor to her. I'll go with that. Mm. She does kind of look like the main character.
0: I mean, we don't know where she's from. She could be from a from a society where people all dress like crazy cyber assassins.
2: Which which is a fair point.
0: Which is absolutely. A I would love point. to I'm, I'm see that. I would love now. to see
1: that comic panel, and unfortunately, I don't think we're going to.
0: No. Well, maybe in the Titan Comics. I. She she did she did in fact apologize in in uh, that interview for, for fans of uh, saying sorry.
1: <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about.
0: And I will take that as an apology for this supplement, uh, this this magazine and supplement costing ten pounds ninety nine. <laughs>
1: Um, another suggestion um, in uh, Suze Kempner's interview um, she describes this as a a doorway into Doctor Who um, and kind of compares it to the Sarah Jane adventures in terms of getting younger children who are maybe new to Doctor Who into Doctor Who which I mean I am a 29 year old adult with two degrees and I struggle to uh, understand a two page uh, story in that so we'll, we'll see how we'll see how that goes but John what do you what do you make of that as the kind of as the position of doomsday within the universe
2: well nothing says bringing the your younger audience into a franchise like basing it around the character of an assassin. Um,
1: <laughs> Killing the idea of a unicorn is not very child-friendly, is it?
2: No. no No, I mean, the only reason she really gets away with the murder that we see her do Is that he's an evil guy who has decided to help the Autons um, Otherwise, an assassin's not really a very kid-friendly job No yeah.
0: <laughs> Like, you, 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 you don't want to see little kids running around the playground being like I want to be an assassin Mighty is probably one of the few jobs that ChatGPT can't automate yet.
1: So, um, moving on to the um, general feature within the magazine about Doomsday, uh, which features quotes from several of the writers and producers uh, involved. Um, I should say, I think the main writer on this supplement was Jacqueline Rayner. Yes, Jacqueline Rayner did the story, uh, Russ Leach, the art... Um, and james goss describes doom as murderous delivery uh which i i thought was funny enough to to write down um mm. kind of assassin for hire um there's also a lot of emphasis and i think this comes from a number of the writers involved on all the doomsday uh all the component parts of doomsday also being enjoyable as standalone stories if you don't want to follow the whole thing Um, John, Time Lord Victorious passed us by a bit, so I guess I wanted to ask, like, was that true of Time Lord Victorious as well, or was this kind of a newer approach?
2: Um, Time Lord Victorious has a very strange structure, where I would say, at its core, you have two novels. And those two novels, I would say, are the main story of Time Lord Victorious. But then to understand where everybody has come from to get to the second novel where suddenly the ninth Doctor is there, and the 8th Doctor is there, and the Daleks are there, and vampires are there. That's when you have to kind of branch out into the side paths that are the other bits of content, like the Big Finish audio dramas, Doctor Who magazine comic. Like, it's all a little bit needlessly web-like in structure, like various strands separating out. I I get that they were trying... I, I, in a way, they were kind of trying to do the opposite, I think, is that here they're trying to mm. say, like, you can start anywhere, it's very simple. I think the whole point of Time Lord Victorious was supposed to be, ooh, it's a little bit complex, don't you want to read around it and understand the background information? Like, no. To, but but I think that's, like, two different approaches to the mm-hmm. idea of how do we get people to do the other bits of the media? How do we get them to branch out? I think Time Lord Victorious thought will try and intrigue them into listening to the other bits of media they might not necessarily do themselves.
0: Whereas whereas with Doomsday, you literally have a plot device that that says, okay, go to next location.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I think they're two different approaches to the same kind of idea of trying to get the reader to pick up a medium they might not have picked up anyway. Personally, I think this is the more reader, well, not reader, but more like, I was going to say, I can't call them a reader, I can't call them a listener, because they're cross media.
1: But but a more customer-friendly approach. Consumer. Um,
0: Speaking speaking of media that people will never pick up, of course there's a vinyl.
2: (laughs) I am very glad that we now have a vinyl player in my house, (laughs) so I will be obtaining the two-vinyl copy of Four From Doomsday with its lovely purple vinyl and blue vinyl. Um, I hope I haven't had to increase the cost of my purchase because they have decided to colour the vinyls.
1: I, I suspect, <laughs> unfortunately, you, you may have. Um, and on that note, um, our running total so far... Uh, is £10.99, which, as much as I am very annoyed that a magazine costs that much, um, John, I understand that your total Time Lord Victoria spend was £375.35, pence, <laughs> according to uh, your t- Tides of Time Roundup. This, thankfully, not so expensive. Okay,
2: I will say in Time Lord Victorious's defence that that included a live experience, mm-hmm. an escape room... Um, a set of eight figurines. Um, so there there was a lot more kind of experiential... Not to experiential. mention the T-shirt!
0: Going to have the T-shirt. Not to
2: mention the fabulous T-shirt, which I have to say is really good and was worth the price. Um, yeah, obviously Total Victorious was definitely a lot more of a, of a money sink. It's, it's interesting because in this interview, I'm trying to see who says it, someone says this really interesting thing where they say... Doomsday intricately brings together all aspects of Who licensing in a way that I think has never been done before. <laughs> and then the very next sentence, and this is from Jack Devine, the editor of Doctor Who Comics at Titan, his very next sentence is, I worked on Time Lord Victorious. <laughs> so this has been done before then Hasn't it? You did it, it three has. years ago
1: it's, it's, it's literally that thing In the trailers where they talk about the Doctor's Darkest, darkest hour But, but, for, but for transmedia Series
0: it's, it's, it's the most transmedia of Transmedia experiences
1: on a similar vein,
2: the first sentence of this article is, so you thought Doctor Who could never pull off a bigger multi-platform event than 2020's Time Lord Victorious? Doomsday just... is literally smaller. Yeah, <laughs> just objectively, this is not as big a multi-platform yes, event as it's, Time Lord Victorious. it's much
1: less intimidating. That's why I wanted to get into it. <laughs> so... I'm going to say, I think that's
2: actually probably going to be a boon. Yeah. So... Don't lie and say that it's bigger. It's it's more streamlined. As far as I'm concerned, I'm really enjoying the streamlined focus.
1: So one thing that I found quite amusing uh, about this uh, piece, and it is kind of spoilery, but only spoilery is the fact that it's, it's in the piece. The article is at pains to be spoiler free for the supplement in case you uh read the magazine first and they they say that multiple points they go to great lengths to not mention the content of the supplement however that it does contain multiple references to and i quote doom's final 24 hours sorry doom um interestingly Mm. the the final sentence of the piece is will doom survive so i don't know if they are like, I don't know if there's going to be, like, a weird thing. that Like, literal death is in this, is in this story. So yes. they can do weird things where she dies, but also lives. Um, but I, it, 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 it did make me laugh that they specifically did not spoil the bit of Doomsday that comes with the magazine, but did potentially actually spoil the ending of Doomsday. There, there,
0: is, there is precedent for characters dying, but not really. Um, Clara Oswald...
2: Well, it might be the death, it might be a figurative death, it might be the end of her life as an assassin, it might be the the death of Doom as we know her, and the beginning Mm. of her new life as Hope, the missionary or something, I don't know. So death like in the tarot? Oh, well, I mean, that's, I love a good bit of tarot, but um, I suspect we're not getting into the arcana (laughs) in this particular series.
1: Coming soon to Big Finish, Hope's Year. Uh, uh, a yeah. very nice woman has a very lovely time.
0: I, I would much rather see like an actual licensed Doctor Who tarot deck. That that would be quite fun.
2: It would be excellent. It can go with. I mean, that's this is completely off topic, so I'm not going to get into it. But I do own a tarot deck, but only because it's the one from a James Bond film.
1: <laughs> um, if you don't have anything else, uh, to. Uh, to cover. Well, I, I
0: just, I just want to say, I just want to say, right? The, the running total so far is uh, is ten ninety nine. Um, what is the projected cost of uh, of all of Doomsday?
1: um my from memory uh, a few people on twitter had worked this out and it would probably about be about uh 70 pounds that does not count all of the money if you are a child that you will sink into the in-app purchases on mobile game lost in time but we'll get to that on another podcast indeed so yes our next episode uh we will be focusing on the titan comic a doctor in the house again this is out uh in the first week of july uh we will not be able to record a podcast uh, until a little while after that so you get a couple of weeks break from us rambling uh but in the meantime um pluggables john where can we find you and big who listen online
2: Uh, Well, you can find me at bigwholisten.wordpress.com. So, yeah, we're going through all of the Big Finish main range stories and occasionally some extras um, in order. So we've gone all the way from one. Um, We've just listened to The Condemned, which is number 105. So given that there's 275 stories in the main range, we are going to keep going for a very long time. Thank you very much. Um, and, of course, we got contributions from some lovely guest people, including yourself, Georgia.
1: I I I did do that. I, I need to do more of them. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I need to keep up. But, uh, <laughs> yes, I've really enjoyed my uh, dipping my toe into Big Who Listen. And I greatly admire the dedication of all of the people who have been doing this week in, week out for how, how many years now?
2: Um. Oh, God. Certainly um,
1: pre-pandemic.
2: I was going to say, it's at least three. Um, no, I
1: think it's, 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 it's pre-pandemic. Cause, I think yeah, it's
2: more.
1: I think it's I, more like four or five.
2: That's probably why I said at least. Um, but <laughs> yes, it's gone on for longer than I think. When I think of it, I don't feel like it's gone on that long. Um, and we're not even halfway through. <laughs>
0: Uh, almost like they keep making more than you can consume well no
2: they've stopped no, they the, the main range it has a finite end <laughs>
1: <laughs> they've shown mercy <laughs> um, so um uh for us um the music uh, on this podcast was made by the very talented philip Wheland. Uh, that's you me can f- you can find him on spotify um, and I'm very sorry that I'm also on some of those, so do proceed with caution.
0: Yes, we have, uh, just released, uh, well, not just, but a few weeks ago, we, we released, uh, posting, um, a song about, uh, being online.
1: It's about, like, cringing about the things that you put online, like, I am right now, you can't see me, uh, but no. I am.
0: <laughs> uh, and speaking of that, where can people find you, Georgia?
1: Uh, I am MindTheFlap on m- most of the socials uh, where you can see me either posting tube station pictures playing guitar bar chords badly or not posting at all because I'm trying to stay clear of Twitter um, and I do have a blog that's MindTheFlap.wordpress.com that might be updated at some point, it's a mystery uh, what about you Philip?
0: Well I am at Minkowski on Twitter and Instagram uh, I have a couple of other accounts on a couple of other platforms with various levels of linking to each other, um, so you will probably find that there, as we mentioned before, Philip Wieland on Spotify, uh, I have a website on philipwieland.com, um, which I do not update nearly as often as I should, um... And
2: uh yeah. Brilliant. Well think... oh,
1: thank you so much, John, uh, for coming along. Thank and, you so
2: much. Uh thank sharing you very much our for pain with me. the
1: comics. Um
2: Yeah. You know, I've I've really enjoyed being here anytime. As always, and uh Brilliant.
0: and thank I you. believe that has been a podcast.
1: We'll see you on the next piece of media.
0: Yes.